Welcome to the Mission 300 podcast as we journey into the realities of who our Father is and who we are to Him. Hey, welcome back to the podcast. We are kicking off a new year, 2020, and we are going to be uh, finishing up our pillars that we had started last year with identity and strength, and now we're transitioning into the new pillars of courage and influence. So we're going to kick this one off, and I got Jason on board. Happy New Year, everybody. Glad to be back. Uh, we have some cool topics at hand here, and um, courage is kind of a, a tricky one to talk about at first. It might seem like an obvious one, but when you really get down to it, Brian and I were talking earlier, and it's kind of tough at times to differentiate between what's courage, what's strength, and how to even just explain the difference in that. So, Brian, you had some thoughts on that. Yeah, I was looking at the difference between the two, even when we're running our pro our mentorship program, is you have identity and strength. So identity, again, is this is what you are. This is your confidence uh, from your identity is where you receive your value. And then your strength are the free gifts and what has been bestowed onto you. And then the practice of using them and exercising them and growing in those things. But both of those two deal with yourself. When we deal with courage and influence, it's like a transition. It's like a mountaintop. You get up to the mountaintop with your identity and strength, but now we start using it differently. It's like a it's like a continental divide. And at courage is basically taking your identity and strength, and now you're offering it for the benefit of others. So a courageous act is something that is done out of love on behalf of others without considering your gain, your benefit, and your value from it. It's com completely towards someone else, which I think is very interesting when uh, Joshua goes into the promised land, God tells him to be strong, right? So you take your strength, your abilities, your confidence, everything you've done before, everything that you have developed, who you are to God, and be of a good courage. So there's like two specific points being done. Now, one thing that we have to look at with courage is there has to be a sense of confidence. There has to be a sense of strength in order to offer it. So just to manufacture courage when you're insecure, inferior, not knowing what to do, sometimes that can create a more of a self-adulation where you're trying to do something to get an identity from it. You're trying to do something that if I do this great thing, I'll be noticed, I'll be recognized. You know, you see that in extreme sports. I'm not saying the guys are not courageous, but just their acts of doing fearless things and doing uh, something that's extremely brave or extremely radical has nothing to do with courage. It has everything to do with, one, they could be pushing the limits of their own skills, but a lot of times it's to get an identity from that thing. And courage, you do not get an identity from it. You might be known for it, but you are not doing it for those reasons. When we were talking about this idea of courage, this uh, this example came into my mind. I think we're all probably familiar with Peter in the New Testament. And uh, before Jesus goes to the cross, Jesus says, I'm going somewhere you can't follow. And Peter says, I'll follow you anywhere. I'll lay down my life for you. And we look at that as Peter's attempt at being courageous, at being strong. He's making this statement, this resolution, if you will on how far he will go to show how dedicated he is to Jesus. But Jesus understands that he doesn't have what it takes to follow through with that commitment or with that resolution. 
because he hasn't been filled with the spirit. He hasn't been made into a new creation. He's still operating as this old man who's trying to prove something by what he does. And so we get to Peter denying Jesus, Jesus predicting that, saying, before the rooster crows, three times you'll deny me. But then later on, and it's kind of funny because we'll hear that preached or talk about that story. And like, yeah, you know, we're just like Peter. We try to make these great things and be courageous, but we just sometimes can't do it. And we end up identifying with that kind of failure of his. But you look at Acts when the spirit falls on the disciples and Peter's the one that stands up and gives this sermon at Pentecost. That is a courageous thing to where before he couldn't live up to what he was trying to do. He was trying to be courageous to prove he was something. Now that he's been made into something new, he just steps forward in courage. And I think that was a really good example, at least for me, of a picture of what it actually means to be courageous from an identity and a strength that's already been established. Because he didn't give that sermon for himself. It was for the people that were around there. Even watching how he transitioned those two pieces, I think that's great. So even after he betrays Jesus... And he goes back out to fishing. Jesus comes back and gets him the same way that he found him. And in this conversation, they're walking along the beach. And Jesus tells Peter, if you love me, feed my sheep. And of course, we know how that dialogue goes on. And basically what Jesus was saying is, I still see it in you. Move forward. But the neat thing about how courage, who he was, and courage to step forward really took place is Jesus is explaining how he's going to die. Like, basically, they're going to take you, and they're going to martyr you. And his identity and strength rose up to such a degree that he, like, he he transitioned into a new way of thinking that no longer was it preserving Peter. They weren't trying to find out who was going to be the greatest among the disciples. This transition took place, and I love it how Jesus comes and basically reminds them of who he is, reminds them of what's been given to him, and in very importantly... Peter, forget what you thought you were, forget the rejection, forget all of that stuff so you can move forward. And it kind of brings this as a little separate point, but how many people get stuck in wanting to move forward and doing something that God has put in their heart to do that will benefit others, that will be a great thing for others, but they have such a remembrance of what they did wrong that they're trying to get that fixed first before they go do it. That is one of the most uncourageous acts that can be done because a you can't fix what's been done Two, Jesus comes and reminds him of who he is and Jesus didn't lose trust in him and so I thought it was interesting that courage it has a lot to do with forgetting what your current position is and what you were so you can move over into what is going to actually benefit and impact the one you love right and I maybe that's part of the disconnect for for some people when we read these stories of people doing great things in the Bible, especially in the New Testament, because we see their courage being shown to us after their identity and their strength is established. And yet we maybe don't have that same identity or don't realize the identity we've been given. And so we'll either look at their courage as something we can't live up to or something we need to try to live up to to be like them. But we kind of have it backwards. We have to first realize we have been made in that same identity and that same strength. And then you can see how courage just flows out of that. You look at Peter, you look at Paul, you look at all the disciples, the great things they did were never to prove themselves to anyone. It was always an outflow of courage that came because they see 
a need in front of them. They see a person that needs something done for them, something that they can provide. Like with, you know, we've quoted a million times, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, I give to you. It wasn't this, hey, I'm going to, I'm going to show off these cool new things we can do. It was a simple outflow of what they were, which took a lot of courage because look at what they went through. Look at the, the backlash that what it cost them, but they didn't really, they didn't really care too much for the backlash or, you know, what's going to happen if I post this in the synagogue wall, what's going to happen if I say this to this person it's just an outflow and it seems so, so difficult and so mighty and courageous. And it is, but when you're in that moment, having your identity established, it really is just an outflow of who and what you are, but it does take stepping into like you and I were talking about before. And for some people that can be a scary thing at times. Well, yeah, especially in our culture, if you go back to the previous episodes, when we're talking about identity and strength, we live in a culture that doesn't know what they are. And so before even like, if you use Joshua as the example, just because it was referenced several times to be strong and of good courage. Here's a guy that went into battle. He won victories. He had a sense. He went into the promised land. He came back with a good report. He saw what it was. He knew what the problems were there, but he didn't look at the problems as if he was insignificant because there was a relationship with who God was to him. And so I think it's interesting in the sense of courage, if you notice, they go and settle every other tribe's land first before they settle their own. And so even though they're taking, yeah. taking land and they were taking their promise, they did it on behalf of the others and their offspring first before they really considered about what they were going to get from it. As you can see in Caleb at the very end, okay, we've settled all this. Now give me this mountain. And so I think that's an amazing picture. So there's a Swiss psychologist that broke down the components of courage. And I thought it was very interesting because it applies to all of this. And it consists of this. The first part is that you put at risk your safety, your convenience, and that which may result in death or bodily harm, social condemnation, or emotional deprivation. In other words, it's very interesting that courage is actually taking what you are what your strengths are, all your confidence, everything that you have developed, learned, and grown in, and be willing to put that aside for the sake of someone else, even if it means publicly that you may lose all of those things. And I think that's mm. a really interesting impact. So that was point number one. The second part was you have a strong knowledge of wisdom and prudence about what is right and wrong in a given moment. So it's not just running forward in your own idea. Like, I think this is a social cause and it needs to be done. But really, it, the reason it's called a social cause is because the mass is saying it's important. So it's really not your own thing. But you can weigh things out properly and make a decision that's very wise and prudent. So you're not a fool running into something. It is something that you, are, you have well weighted out and you know the right and wrong and what you should do. The third element was a hope and confidence in a happy and meaningful outcome. And I thought that was interesting. The word hope is very present in that. And I, I think it's interesting mm -hmm. that, you know, the Bible says that we go from glory to glory. It's almost like you're willing to lay down everything you have for the sake of something else, but you're not doing it manipulatively. Like if I lay this down, I'm going to get something else. You're not even on your mind in that transition, but you become something different. And so that, that brings hope into that. 
And hope is a very critical factor or there is no courage. So without hope, why would you even bother? Like if you're all surrounded by an enemy and you absolutely knew there was no hope of getting out, what would you go do? Probably nothing because there's no hope in it. But there mm -hmm. has to be this element of a spark of hope that even if you don't benefit, everyone else will from the process. Uh, the fourth one is a free will. So you can't force someone into a courageous act. So I can't create an, an army and order everyone to be courageous. I can ask them to be, I can invite them into it, but I can't order them into it because it's not a manipulative act. And the fifth thing is a motive based on love. So I thought that was interesting that a psychologist had picked this up that without love as a motivation, it really doesn't work. So mm -hmm. there's a bad courage, which is, you know, you could see that with the despots that had run the world and created calamity, they courageously stepped out and risked their reputation to bring about, whether it was Hitler with Mein Kampf or it was uh, Stalin implementing Karl Marx's theories. Those were things that were done courageously, but it wasn't a good courage. So I thought that was mm -hmm. interesting that even the Bible distinguishes between uh, courage and a good courage. So I, I think it's important as we go forward that those those ideas become established. I think that really applies to the the social aspect of it too, which is one of the points he was making. If if your courage and your action that's resulting from the courage is because of social pressure around you, then it's not really courage, or at least it's not courage coming from your identity and your strength. It's something that you are feeling pressured or compelled into. And it's interesting to observe that in a social aspect, it oftentimes honestly ends up being a, a negative motivator to where now you're not doing something or saying something because you want to lift someone up. You're doing it to tear someone or something else down. And I think that's been a really subtle switch in a lot of the, a lot of movements and social things that we'll see that have the. I guess, illusion of courage, you know, someone that is lauded by society as being so courageous, so brave. And really, when you look at what they're doing, it's not to lift people up, it's to tear other people down. And that can be a really tricky thing to navigate at times because the enemy's so clever on how he labels things. But when it's an exterior pressure, I think that's one of the biggest indicators. If you're feeling an exterior pressure to do something and take a stand for something, but it's not coming from inside you. It's not coming from your identity. It's not coming from your strength. That should be a pretty big red flag for us, right? We can look at all that, the what's going on. And I think there's, there's this idea that, especially young people, they want to be involved in a cause. They want to be involved in something bigger than themselves. They want to make a difference. And so, but they tend to find the thing, the big group thinks, so that way their security can be relied in what the group is saying. And this is counter to wisdom. And so a little thought about wisdom is that wisdom without compassion is harsh. But compassion without wisdom is foolish. So you, you have to have this, this, this proper weight of I'm operating out of love. So courage is an act of love. So there's your compassion side of it. But it's also very wise, like it's tactical, it, it's thought, it's thought through, and you're, you're well aware of the assessment of what's going to happen if I step forward. You think about 
many different characters that have done this. And I, I, I was watching the Medal of Honor recipients, uh, really fascinating to, they're like five minute clips and they're just going through from World War One all the way up to uh, Afghanistan, the Iraq war and the different Medal of Honor recipients. And all of them have a very common theme to them. They will say, listen, I was trained to do my duty. I was trained as a soldier. I was on the field. So there's their identity. There's their strength, right? Mm -hmm. And I did what any of the other soldiers would have done. It was my duty to do it. Well, did you consider your life? I was considering the guy sitting next to me. In other words, a switch took place where they were no longer in self-preservation mode. It was about my guys have to come home. My guys have to come home. And I thought that was very interesting. And they said this, one, one of them from World War II, he says, you won't find hate among us. We fought for mm -hmm. love, not love for a cause, country, or hatred of the enemy, but for the man next to us. We do not want the medal as we were not the heroes. But because of the love for the man next to us who was the true hero, I'm going to wear the medal. And I thought that was, that is really, a, it typifies valor and it's consistent through all of those that, that received it. And so I think when we're looking at this, this is very interesting times with a generation that wants to do courageous acts and they, they're, they'll be willing to stand in the streets. They'll be willing to do this, but it's all based on how the group is thinking. To stand up against them as an individual is truly courageous because now you're gonna mm -hmm. be destroyed. And so it's very interesting. They'll destroy your name, your, your reputation. They'll do anything to destroy it when you go from one, a groupthink idea to an individual courageous act. You see that with Martin Luther King Jr. Probably one of the most courageous individuals from uh, bringing freedom to an idea in, in our culture. But he wasn't doing it and tearing down another group to get it. He was lifting his group. And even in his response, if you read his books, he said, love has to be our motivator, not hate. And I just think it's interesting in the group courage, it's more of a hate driven towards something or an mm -hmm. idea versus a love driven towards lifting a people, which goes back to your point. And you'll even see that in some of the tactics that were applied by you know certain governments in different wars. One of the things they'll try to do is make the enemy seem so low and so evil and so inhuman that it's easier to attack them. It's easier to kill them, and it's it's interesting that that can be effective, but it's not. It doesn't come from. It doesn't make true courage. I guess you can get someone to act out in extreme ways by doing that but it's not really motivated from courage. In the same way, when we look at our modern context, that courage is not something that you make someone else do. So if I put someone down and make them seem so low and so little and so worthy of being attacked that I make you act out, that's not courage. You're not being brave. You're not being courageous. You're just being influenced by someone who's over you. True courage is something that you do, motivated by love. It's something that you do, not something you make someone else do. And I think that can be a bit of a, a misunderstanding for people at times. Because ultimately, if there's a problem, if there's something wrong, if there's an injustice being done, and you have the power, the identity, the strength to do something about it, then courage is you stepping in to do it, 
not you farming out that responsibility to someone else. But it's a lot more comforting and a lot easier to kind of, you know, outsource that responsibility. But when someone gets a taste of identity and strength and what they can do in their courage, it's so much more enjoyable and fun to actually just take the action yourself, right? Yeah. Well, you can even see um, Paul made this comment and he was talking about prophecy, but I think it could apply to anything that you have to step into to do. And he says in the church, only let two or three have a word at a time. And I, I always wondered why that was till I was in Bible school. And uh, one of the speakers asked, does anybody have a word for us? And there's a long pause, like a long wait. Finally, someone got the courage to go up there and share. And it was really profound. Then one more came up and that was profound too. Then by the time you got to the third, the fourth, then everybody had a word and wanted to come up <laughs> and it lost the profoundness, but it would switch from, I have something for the sake, I'm going to risk this, I'm going to put it out there for you, to, oh, wow, I can be recognized too. And so it kind of shifted from courage to, I'm going to get my identity. And it's very right. interesting how those lines can blur themselves because everything has this there, there is a, a place where it can go too far or, or it can cross a line where it's different. Again, this all ties to our motives, which is really at the crux of the whole uh, courage piece. Uh, In a way, do you think that's something that affects a lot of people? So they'll see something courageous, the first two people sharing a word, that's courageous, and they feel inspired by that and they want to take part in it, but they but they end up kind of missing the mark because they're just trying to latch on to someone else's courage and someone else's moment and someone else's action and be part of that instead of seeing their courage, appreciating it for what it is, and then reflecting on, okay, what is for me to step out and do? Maybe in a completely different context. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I think, and you say that idea of reflecting. So there's two parts to this is... One, it actually is a good thing. So if you notice, if someone does take a courageous act and someone follows, it usually creates a groundswell because everybody's wanting to do that. So again, you can't judge every person's motives up there. Maybe it's like, okay, I do have something to say. Right. I can say it. It just starts losing the power of that specific act when too many people do it. But if we did it and step back and reflected going, okay, I had something too. I, I could have done that next time I will, I will step forward into whatever that area is. And so courage is actually inspirational. It will inspire an army. Like if anybody was had any fear, even in the old Testament armies, they sent them home because fear is the worst cancer because that spreads too, but so does courage. So courage does spread. So I want to be careful to say just because someone else did it and you didn't have the courage and you saw someone else do it and you didn't have the courage. And then you finally step forward. I'm not saying that's not necessarily courageous and your motives are bad. I'm saying there just becomes a wiring within people that sometimes we have to evaluate, why did I actually do that? And so mm -hmm. this is where self-reflection after an event takes place going, okay, what was courageous? What was me? And then we grow at the same token. Let's don't shut it down because, right. but Paul was just being wise because you can't spend all day with everybody having a word because you start losing the effect of that moment. So he wasn't saying don't do it. He was just putting context of how people receive. 
So again, um, this is where that wisdom and knowledge piece comes in. But let's getting back to the actual heart of courage is um, Winston Churchill said, Winston Churchill said this, courage is rightly esteemed as the first of human qualities because it is the quality that guarantees all others. So hmm. this is really important. And I saw this, I was really, I was pondering Jesus's life. And what is, is, G, is God a courageous God? Like, does he need to be courageous? You know, I mean, if we're trying to operate in something that he tells us to do, does he have to operate in that as well? I mean, do we have an image of that? And I really picture the risk he did just, just stepping aside from all the things that happened, the risk of creating someone to love that could reject him. And then they did. And his response to that, to get them back and how he fought to get them back and how he pursued them, even when they didn't want them and how his reputation and his name was shattered in, in trying to go after them even today of how God is viewed in the Old Testament when they missed the heart that he was loving his people going after them and he saw things that they didn't see. But then he sends Jesus and you really think about it in that Garden of Gethsemane. This was like his pinnacle moment, his divide moment from his identity and his strength of everything that he was. And now he's transitioning where he has to give all of it up for the sake of saving everybody. And it was a war of sweat and blood. And he was even asking the father if there's any other way. So I want you to just stop and just pause on the vulnerability of that moment in time, hmm. that specific moment. There was questions. There was thoughts. There was weighing. There was uh, a tremendous toil of the risk of this. And we always say, well, he just knew by faith he was going to go do it. He knew where he was going, but there's this sense of a great weight. And you see courage emerge from this moment of blood, sweat, and tears to make a decision. And that was God himself. So if Jesus is in God and they're one and they're a triune being, this is really God risking himself for the sake of humanity. It's really a powerful moment, but it really depicts what courage is like. Because you have to weigh these things. If I go, I'm going to lose this. If I don't go, they're going to lose this. And you're weighing this huge uh, conflict. And you make a decision. That's courage. That's hard. But you could see in Jesus, he had to deal with fear. He had to deal with all the things that we deal with in those moments. But he went back to who he was, why he was here, what has he been given. And he trusted that. And then he mm -hmm. gave it up for our sake. And so I think when we're going to look at courage, we really have to get to the essence. Our father, God, is a courageous God. And it's amazing. And along with that, it absolutely will cost something. Courage always has a cost to it. I mean, whether you're looking at an action, saying something, whatever it is, if you're saying anything useful, you're going to attract haters. You're going to attract people that disagree with you and they will say things to you or about you, and it's going to hurt. There's going to be a cost to it. And Jesus understood that, absolutely. And it's not like he was, you know, this, this just floaty spiritual thing that didn't feel pain, didn't feel that doubt or fear, and 
just kind of walked through his whole ministry with his head in the clouds. He fully knew what it was going to cost, how he was going to suffer, and not just from a, a physical aspect, but in every single way. And I think that's something that can hold a lot of people back because when they get to that decision point of, I know something's on my heart to say or do, and I want to take this step of courage, and then we face what it's going to cost, the blowback from it, and we step back. But that's not who your father is. That's not who you are either. That's maybe who the old person was. But if we've been made into something completely new, then honestly, we don't have to feel bound by that anymore. We don't have to feel like we can't pay the cost. We can't walk through whatever it is. And I think that's the most encouraging thing to me is that whenever there's something that is burning so deeply in your heart to do and you feel this urge to step out and act in courage, you can pay the cost for it. You can withstand whatever blowback there's going to be. And and to be honest, at the end of it, uh, you and I have talked about this, Brian, at the end, a year, a month, two years down the road, it doesn't seem like as big a deal as it seemed like at the time. You know, it's so true. I remember as a kid, we used to always, when we're about ready to do something or someone was uh, bullying or what, whatever the thing was, it was always like, well, hey, you can't take my birthday away. Like at some <laughs> at the end of the day, you can't take you can't take certain things away from me. And so I think we become secure enough. This is why it becomes really critical. We have to know the father's opinion of us. And that has to become solidified where his value of us is the only thing that really matters. Because then we could truly start offering ourselves around to places that we you know, a lot of people reject you just for the simple fact they don't understand. Mm-hmm. They, they don't, they, you're creating a fear that if they accept you, it, it's going to cause something, uh, whatever their belief is or whatever their situation is. And so it takes courage to believe anything of God. I mean, the whole idea that we believe that a, the Holy Spirit uh, hovered over Mary, a virgin birth took place. Jesus went to the cross. I mean, we didn't literally see it. We know we could prove through documentation. I mean, we could sit and spend time on that. But the reality is we have to believe something that takes great courage to simply believe it. But this heart of courage is really the whole, uh, it is the character of the followers of Jesus Christ, those that believe in him. It was courageous but yet it can become normal. So courage isn't necessarily a one-time act. It really is a state of thinking. It is really a mm-hmm. state of, of mentality and a settling of what we are. So I, th- I think with this, to kind of bring a closure to this episode, I want to bring up um, Psalm 23, because I think it gives these this transition point from our identity and our strength over into courage and influence. And when you see in Psalm 23, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. That's your identity, bringing you back into value of who you are, how valuable you are to him, uh, what you are to him. But then he leads you in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So now he's given what he's bestowed on you for his name, that you walk in his name. So you have your identity, but now you're walking under his identity and you're, you're, exposing how it works, how to think, how to make 
walk in his wisdom, how to walk in his thoughts, how to take the mind he's given you and use that. And he shows you his way of thinking. But then he says, yea, though I go through the valley, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil. So now the act of stepping forward into what's been given to you and what's, what you are, it seems like a dark, cloudy place because it's kind of unventured territory, maybe not for someone else, but for you. And so now you're stepping into this unknown of you, you can't calculate it, you can't plan it. It was much easier by the nice cool streams of water because you knew what was happening there. But now you're going through something that may have in the past or something you've perceived is, is, has stripped you before. But when you go through, it says his rod and his staff, they comfort me because he's with you in that. So it's this very interesting courage is like almost like a transition of him doing it to now him being with you while you do it in his heart and his mind. But that's where he's prepared a table before you in the presence of, his en of your enemies and you, your cup runs over and surely goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. So now it's like his provision is following you as you're stepping forward versus us going to provision or going to the thing we need to get it. Now we're just stepping forward and it's actually like a caravan following after you to accomplish but that is the heart of courage in that transition all right so as we're finishing up our first podcast of 2020 i wanted to bring this in this idea of courage and how it relates to our resolutions and i almost didn't want to talk about it because it's such a cliche but i know everybody listening has made one or two and you've probably given up on one or two so far at this point and you might be feeling discouraged about it but here's the thing about courage and resolutions if you make them and I've noticed this from my personal experience and from talking to so many people about this frustration. If you make a resolution based on, man, I need to become this person, so I'm going to make this resolution, and when I complete it, I will be that person, you're going to give it up. I think it's something like 92% of resolutions fail every year or 75% within the first 30 days, and we'll get stuck in this cycle, especially those of us who have tried them over and over again. But I noticed that when someone makes a resolution of courage, having been changed into someone or something new, that it sticks. We might have talked about this before on the podcast, but one of the guys in our program went through this leadership um, stretch, was doing competitions, started running, and at the end of it, he ended up giving up smoking. No one told him to stop smoking. No one asked him to quit doing it. We asked him why he stopped smoking, and he said, because it gets in the way of my running. Because through this process, he had become something new. He had become someone who runs, who exercises. That's just his identity now. And he started to notice things that were getting in the way of that. And so if you approach any resolution, do it from that perspective. We've talked a lot about um, asking the question, what would a son do? What would a daughter do? If I'm a son of God, I do this. If I'm a daughter of God, I would do this. I would handle this situation this way. And I think with this topic of courage, we're kind of shifting into something now. It's since I am this, what's what's the step for me? And like we were talking about, that courage will just flow from within you. It's in you already. You've got it. You don't have to beg and plead God to give you some courage. He's already given you his spirit. You've got what it takes. And so in 2020, we're going to be walking in that. So thank you guys for listening in today. We've got a lot more cool stuff coming up. 
Follow us on Facebook. You can go outboundlife.org, see all of our events, get new content there, and we'll be putting up new podcasts as well. Feel free to comment on those, share them with everybody you know, and we'll see you guys on the next one.